you're listening to the Business of Branding podcast. If you are a creative female entrepreneur ready to connect with more of those heck yes clients, build an irresistible brand, and allow growing your business to feel easier than ever before, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Nikki Arnsman, a brand designer and strategist, a mama, and a little bit of a serial entrepreneur. On this podcast, I share all the strategies, tips, and lessons learned that have helped me build and scale an aligned business. My hope is that the content here will inspire you to go out and do the same for yourself. Welcome to another episode of the Business of Branding podcast. I am so excited today to have Donatella Arpea here. She is an accomplished celebrity chef, dynamic restaurateur, television personality, author, entrepreneur, mama, wife, all the things. Um, So Donatella, I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm so excited to uh, connect. I was telling her before we got on here and started recording that um, I was so excited for this to like come across my inbox of bringing you on the show because I come from this like rich background in the restaurant world. And while I was like kind of navigating like what what should we talk about today and what should we touch on? Because I think there's so much like synergy here as far as just your background and your history and um mind coming from uh, the restaurant world and both being entrepreneurs and moms. So I am, I'm just excited to learn more about your history and the things that you're doing today. Um, So can you kind of take us back to the beginning? I know you spent summers in Italy. (laughs) Yes. So what was, what what was your upbringing? How much time do we have? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Okay. So And um, I, they were, they came, my mother came over when she was 10. My dad came over, she, he was 20. So every summer I would go for three months and spend my summers in Puglia and, and Naples. And I have to say, that's where my sense memories come from. That's probably some of the happiest moments in my life, surrounded by my cousins, surrounded by this rich culture. And also having like growing up in Long Island, <laughs> uh, in America and then having this, you know, this dual world of the old and the new. And I thought I was very privileged to have that. Mm -hmm. And my father was a restaurateur. I literally grew up in the restaurant business. um, And it was literally my backyard because my dad's first restaurant in Long Island was right next to my house. So um, he opened it the year I was born. And because they, you know, they were struggling. My mom literally had the crib on the dishwashing station and that lulled me to sleep. So I grew up in the restaurant business. Um, And it's something that stays inside you. I think it's more of a way of life. Um, It's something that I loved. I'm the youngest of three. My brother's the oldest and he was groomed for the business. So from the time he was like 12 or 13, my dad was had him dishwashing and doing all this stuff. And my dad then moved into New York City and was really brought fine dining Italian cuisine to New York. He was the first one. It used to be red checkered tablecloth. So he bought um, elegant dining to New York City. And there was one thing I knew growing up, which was I was not supposed to go into the restaurant business. He did not want it for me. He wanted his daughters to be lawyers or doctors, kind of like the immigrant dream. And, you know, back then, what's happened to the food world, this was before the Food Network. No one no one really thought that this was going to go in this direction. Um, so I became a lawyer. I was a very good Italian daughter. I became a lawyer. And uh, six months later, I was living above my brother's restaurant in New York and eating for free every day. And and uh, it was raining one night and he was without a hostess. And I just got up and, you know, I started to help him. And I just came home from law working, being miserable and like, okay, my parents spent all this money on education. I really loved the study of the law, uh, but I was like, I really... And I just kind of got in, helped him out. And that's where I had my aha moment. And um, I was like 27. And I told my dad, you said, if I became a lawyer, I could do whatever I want. And I want to open up a restaurant. And that was the beginning for me. 
the end of my brief law career and the beginning of my entrance into the food world. So that's just my first part. That's one question that, that I tried to sum up a lot right there. But yes. yeah, growing up in Italy was very special. I'm, I remember my first bite of Neapolitan pizza. I remember going to my mother's farm. We still have land there and, you know, riding the bike for and picking the, the figs off the tree, which were like the size of pears. And it's just like eating pure candy and having these scents and food memories of my childhood. And, you know, in my family, because I married, I married an Irish Scottish guy. And he's like, I've never seen people talk about food so much or like obsess over it. I, you know, food is an art form and we take it seriously. We talk about it, we think about it. You know, we would go to restaurants, we have parties. What are we gonna eat? That's, it's always a discussion. Um, so food is just an integral part of my life. Yeah, I resonate with so many things that you're saying coming from like a large Italian family um, growing up on both sides, my father and my and my mother's side. So I feel like I had double doses of it because my parents were divorced. So it was like food on the one side and all restaurants and then like grandma, all the women cooking on my mother's yeah. side. And we still like we do Sunday dinner every, every, almost every Sunday sure. um, That's awesome. with everything. And actually funny, my, my daughter's four and um, she made all the meatballs with my mom this past Sunday. And it was like the first time that she actually like had to have the patience to like sit and actually make them. And she was so proud and like had all these homemade meatballs. And it was just like, it was just the best. Um, I think everyone wants to be invited to Sundays at Italian homes. Oh, yeah, and I think it's a very special thing that, you know, we have. And that was like the one day that my dad didn't work. The restaurants were closed. And Sunday was the day where, yeah, we were home as a family. And I, I have the memory of my mother, wakes, you know, waking up to the smell of the meatballs frying and the garlic and the onions. And, yeah. yeah. Is there stealing the meatballs out of the fryer, stealing the meatballs out of the fryer before it went into the sauce? Yeah. Her hitting me with the wooden spoon, like, don't eat the meatballs. Yeah. I, I'm always, so my husband, I married, um, he's like Czechoslovakian and just like a cocktail of who even knows what. And, um, he's, he always is like, oh, well, I'm just Italian now. Like, that's just what I am now because I'm in, I'm now immersed in this like entire, like this entire like family that revolves around what everyone's eating. Like that's, that's it. It's, and I just, I mean, for me and I'm, you know, for you, it's, I don't think twice about it because it's all I really know. And sometimes I'm, I'm always thinking like, what, like, what is, what is everyone else obsessing over? If (laughs) for us, like, it's literally like, the bread, this, the that. We ha- we were at the farmer's market last Sunday and I live in Florida now. So bread is like very different here than it is like- I live in Florida now too. Yeah, so you know. It is. <laughs> it's a little different. And I so, miss the New Jersey bagels. There's nothing yeah. like New York and New Jersey bagels, that's for sure. There's nothing like it. And we, so we um, we have a local baker here where, where I'm at and he does everything sourdough based. So um, we get all of our bread from him because it's just like the freshest that we can get. And we were at the farmer's market last weekend. I bumped into a friend and she was like, oh, is that the good bread to get? I said, yeah. I said, said, well, the best bread is actually from like this place in New Jersey that we get it from. I was like, but if you saran wrap it and foil it and you put it in your suitcase, like you can get it back here. <laughs> and she was looking at me like, and I was like, my yeah, mom, and my mom, yeah, she's like, what? I'm like, it's fine. Never mind. And <laughs> we'll just carry on anyway. So yeah, I so relate to all of just that, like rich history around um, food. And so Becoming a lawyer was not necessarily your decision. Was this like a... Well, it's, it's hard to do. say now. The memory is so like, I don't know if it was like, you you can be whatever you want, but you should be a lawyer because you're like, so I thought like that I wanted to be a lawyer, but I don't not really know where that came from, except from someone telling me all the time. Yeah. And um, I, you know, was always very ambitious, very driven. People always ask me that, you know, the question of drive. And I think it is something that you're born with. Uh, um, And I was always driven and I, yeah, I became a lawyer. 
Um, I like the idea of, you know, giving a voice to people who don't have a voice or defending people. And I thought that the law taught me, it teaches you how to think in a way and it's, it's tr benefited me tremendously because, you know, most restaurateurs and chefs that go into the business don't have a higher education or usually, you know, find their way through it. And they often fail because they don't have the business, you know, the restaurant business. There's a huge failure rate. So it definitely helped me, but I really, you don't want me to defend you. I don't, I didn't, I just had no passion for it. And I'm like, passion is everything. Passion, authenticity. And I remembered that when I first opened my first restaurant, just, I really loved, you know, making people happy and feeding them. And my memories around, my happiest memories growing up were my summers and holidays in my home and Sunday dinners where we used to remember before the iPad and before this. And I, and I think that really is a lost art. Most of my friends I know, and I think it's sad, they don't eat dinner at the same time. They don't have a culture of even eating dinner together. If they do, one's on their iPhone, one's on the iPad. And I think it's people stop talking. And I really think that even if you had dinner once or twice a week together, it's huge for the family. I think it's really important. And I hope that there's going to be a return to that again. At least that's what I hope. I feel that. I don't know if you feel that at all. I do, especially with COVID. I think the pandemic really, um, I think there was such a usage of computers that because you had to that people got so much fatigue and want the interaction. And I think that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And of course, with COVID, there was a, people had to cook for the first time. Mm -hmm. Do you know the number one Google search term was how to cook Interesting. during COVID? So all of a sudden I was being asked to Zoom and I was like, okay, what are the hottest recipes trending? Or, and I was like, no, how to cook. Because most people we would go either to these stores that have prepared foods and you know there's nothing like cooking and making that food and sitting down and also that's how your children form better eating habits if they're seeing it and cooking instead of like fast food tastes fast you know is yeah. there is it's sad the diets of these kids like they all the chicken nuggets and fries i'm like that's all you eat that's all you know how to eat that's all you want to eat I mean, we ate what we got and right. what we got is good. What we got was good though, you know? So I'm hoping, and I think that there is that return and, and I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, I agree. I was having a conversation with someone yesterday and they were talking about this, um, you know, Facebook doing something with their technology and virtual reality and all of this stuff. And I am reading this whole, I'm in this networking community. I'm reading this whole thing. And, and all I can think in my mind was, I remember this night during COVID I was, um, we were actually took the time to renovate our house during that. I don't know if I ever recommend it, but we, did, <laughs> we were all living in, my daughter's bedroom sleeping we had our king mattress on her floor and like we're all sleeping in her room it was like 10 p.m the windows were open and I heard all the kids in the neighborhood playing like manhunt outside and I actually started crying real tears like I could get emotional right now it was I, I had this, like, all of this sudden, my, like, childhood of growing up and what, like, what felt like a playing outside and playing outside and, like, being like, I'll see you later, mom. I'll be home when it's dinner time. When it's dark. When it's, oh, it's dark. dark. I better get home. Yeah. And, like, going home. And I, I'm like, where did that go? And I'm, I'm like, dead set on like my child is like not gonna grow up not knowing what that's like to like just yeah. be outside and play and like you know I'm I literally cried that night and so I was reading this post yesterday and I was I ended up saying like I don't like I'm so much more interested in like when is the next like a football game happening in the on the street like I want my kid yeah. to have like beat up knees, brutal, you know, like, and just like come home into our warm house and, and eat a wonderful meal. Um, when we renovated, I put in this massive island that I'm sitting at right now, which is way too big for our home. But I, I'm like, this is that's where you, yeah, that's the gathers. heart of the home. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what do, I'm, why I'm do I need? Of, yeah. 
I'm about to tear down my kitchen because when we moved here, so we moved from New York. I'm a big New Yorker. My whole life was New York. Mm. My business is in New York. And a year before COVID, so we were the ones that, and everyone thought we were crazy. Uh, I just felt like my, my son who's very active in the apartment. I found that I was pregnant with twins. Mm. My husband, I, I feel like we were like, we were ready. And I wanted like a yard and I wanted, you know, yeah. I, I don't know, just we did it. It was hard at first because it was a big transition, but I was so thankful and grateful that we did it. Um, and I miss New York and I love New York and I go all the time. It's always my home, but still I wanted my kids to, to grow up this way. And I think my 10 year old, we weren't aware as much as the, the addictiveness and the danger. So I was a little looser about him, but with my twins, they can't, like, I don't even put it next to them. Yeah. And as soon as they do have a phone, they don't want to let it go and they start crying. It immediately changes their behavior. Yeah. And now my son during COVID, and you know, I feel bad for all my friends in New York because their kids were remote the whole year. I, so crazy. Yeah. And I, I was like, I was insensitive about it. And my son for Christmas last year, he's like, I want a PS5. I'm like, yeah, okay, you're getting a trampoline. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the best decision. And he's gone into gymnastics now and just getting your kids active and eating and away from it. I, I think it's, I think there's a purpose and a need for it, but I think it really shuts down a part of the children's mind. And I just don't want to do it. Yeah. I, I don't, they automatically say, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. Well, let's play. Let's be bored. Think of, let's make something together. Let's do something. Let's cook. Yeah. Yeah. Cook. That's a good one. Okay. So you opened up your first restaurant at 27. Mm -hmm. Um, what was that like? Was this like, I know that you are, you've got drive in you, you've got that go-getter in you. Are you, were you just like all in? Like, let's I go. Know, I was, I was all in, but at the same time, and people don't believe this about me. I, I had, I was extremely shy and I had, for example, extreme stage fright. I remember in law school, I was afraid to be called on. And I remember I started with my restaurant and here I am in a location that had failed many times in a restaurant where still back then everyone that was working for me was men because they really didn't have female servers. I, I feel like it's archaic. It was only 20 years ago. Um, and I was like, okay, I've rent. I put everything I had into this. I borrowed money and I'm like, what am I going to do? But I just the ignorance of youth, I was like, I am going to make this work. And how I made it work was uh, grassroots marketing. I literally, everyone that came to that restaurant, I made them feel mm. like they were coming to my home. I made them feel special. I would write handwritten notes. And it really became, after a year, a very local success where a lot of people, the commissioner, the, these famous people, you know, it all kind of grew coming to this, who is this girl? Mm. that has this restaurant I remember this was before me too uh in Zagat mm -hmm. they're like go for the hot owner and I'm blah 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 <laughs> so it was it was it was an exciting time you know most of my friends were just post-college wanting to get married um I always wanted a family and children but back then I was just no this is what I wanted to do um and then when I opened my second restaurant David Burke and Adamtella at 30, that was such a massive success. I almost wasn't ready for it. So that really put me on the map. Yeah. And I was the first one actually to have, that was when open table, it was, uh, I was the first one to see technology, the importance of it and say, you know, and they thought it was weird. Like, how can you do reservations like this? I'm like, no, it's a way to keep manage the people and the notes. And everyone always asks, what's the best restaurant and often food first but it's where you get recognized people want that familial and and it's more and more needed today i think and there's a return to that yeah. um so it was hard i worked night and day i learned a lot uh i was very naive when i started i think i cried the first time i fired somebody um and how i got into tv was i wanted people seats so i started doing local tv just so people would find my restaurant and i was yeah. I'll never forget. Thank God it wasn't digital back then. I did an octopus segment and I like was making a dirt face and it was terrible, but I kept doing it and doing it. Um, that was where my drive came from to overcome my fear. 
so that when I opened up David Burke and Donatella, I remember a producer walked in from the Food Network and he's like, I want to put you on this show called Iron Chef. And that kind of started a whole other career. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, so I go, but going back a second, I think um, an interesting part that you said about when you're young and you're like starting a new business and you're, you know, there is this like naive factor that you just don't even know. Like you knock on doors that you, once you yeah are later on into the industry, you're like, I would have never, I would never do that now. You know, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, don't ask me how I got to where I did, but there's a beauty to the naivete. Right. Mm. And I think when we go, we talk about, you know, the title of your show is branding. And I think authenticity is everything. And I think that I've always been in every part of my life, because I've done a lot, has always reflected where I am in life. Mm-hmm. And it's authentic. And I think people resonate with that. Mm-hmm. So authenticity is everything. And I always tell my younger friends, because I've mentored a lot of younger women, um, everyone's so afraid. I just, I'm not afraid to fail at all. I'm afraid to live a life where I'm not doing what I love. I'm more afraid of that. So I have to be passionate about what I do. And what is the worst that can happen? Okay. Even when you do everything right, sometimes, by the way, it fails. (laughs) And sometimes when you do everything wrong, I mean, I've had many restaurants and I I put like, sometimes I've put so much work and effort into something and it should have gone right. But there are outlying factors sometimes you don't have control of. I mean, look at the pandemic. Yeah. You know, it took me years to get Prova Pizza Bar in these award-winning locations like Grand Central and Times Square. Who would think a year later, like, no one would be there? It would be the worst place to open a restaurant. <laughs> and I competed and won against 500 people to get a coveted spot, which would later be, you know. Yeah. And you have to, like, go with it. It's life. Yeah. It's part of the journey. Yeah. I, um... I, you know, I think, I think back to like what you're talking about, the authenticity piece and the being yourself and, and how you really created those like personal touch points within your physical location of your restaurant, which uh, probably was one of the key things of why people kept referring. Oh, that is the only yeah. reason why, because that back then I had no famous chef. I had re- very good Italian food, but there was no particular reason why you would come to this midtown one avenue off location and people came literally one by one because of me and i remember back then i would go around to the concierges and i didn't know back then you know a lot of the restaurateurs were paying per head i got i I, you know and i I couldn't do that but i got to know their names i made them cupcakes i made them i gave them my mom's jarred sauce and i was like send them and every time they sent people the customers had such a great time and would go back and, and it just like, it was really a wonderful, beautiful time. That where, is I like mean, Mary J. Bryce would come, Walter yeah. Cronkite would come. And, and I was like the ringmaster. I mean, back then I could literally, you know, take an order of 10, know what everyone's order was. And it was like a Tetris game on how to get everyone in there. And, and the energy of the front and the back of the house working. And I, w- I was the ringmaster and I, I was really good at it. I was really good at, I was the hostess with the mostest in Zagats because I really, really could, I really genuinely wanted you to have a good time. And I was terrible at remembering names. Oh my gosh. But I was always good at, I would remember what you or your husband loved. So I'd be like, oh, hon, how are you? Do you want that dish again? And then you'd be like, oh, she knows me. She remembered what I ate. So yeah, so yeah that was the, the start of start of that. But I, I got successful very young. And I'm like, OK, what's what's next now? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't just stay in this one restaurant. I wanted more, more, more. This yeah. is who I was. Yeah. Who I was. yeah. And then David Burke and Donatello was just an explosion. Yeah, a phenomenon. I mean, I didn't. No one even know who knew who I was, and and I'm I'm still friends with David now. People think that that I'm not, but I remember he was the well-known chef back then. I was just a, a girl that had a location and was making good money. Uh, and he's like, okay, we're gonna call it David Burke, and I'm like, no, we're gonna call it David Burke and Donatella. And he's like, that sounds stupid. It sounds like we're getting married or something. And I'm like, you know. When a restaurant fails, everyone blames the name. When a restaurant succeeds, 
everyone, you know, and it became, it was going to be a success no matter what it was called, but it forced people to pay attention to me because yeah. I wanted to create my own identity. And I, as shy as I was, how do I say this appropriately? If my kids watch this, I had. Yeah. Cojones. I, cojones. <laughs> I was like, okay, then we're not doing it. Like, it's my lease. I, you know, I get it. Uh, I said, what do you care? I said, you're the name. And, and to be fair, I was, I was 29 then. I looked much younger than I was. People thought I was the Kochek girl. And they thought Donatella was Donatella Versace. They didn't know it was me. I mean, I remember everyone wanted to get in and, and there were customers that came in and they're like, you couldn't get a seat in my restaurant. And you just couldn't get, it was the hottest, it was the, like rated the number one restaurant and people would be like, I know the owner and they would treat me like crap. And, and like, like, I'm gonna tell blah, blah, blah. Where's the manager? I'm like, he's over there. And then they'd be like, then they're like, the manager's like, I can't. And the, where's the owner? And they point back at me and I'm like, hi, I'm the one that you just treated like shit. Now go to the bar. <laughs> now go to the bar. <laughs> the customer's always right, but I don't like when people are mean, especially to my girls. Yeah. My hostess isn't still like hide behind me. Yeah. <laughs> for protection. I so love yeah, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about people. You know how to, you know, you're a waitress. You know how to read people. You study people. It was just the golden age of New York City, mm -hmm. which is why I'm heartbroken at what COVID's done and what's happened to New York right now. I feel like it's been, I kind of feel like New York has been raped and pillaged. You know, it, it just breaks my heart. But New York is strong and I know that they're resilient and, you know, I remember 9-11 like it was rest today and what happened. So I know it'll come back, but that was a very special time. Very yeah. special time. I was single. <laughs> Living the dream. I, I, um, I tell my husband sometimes, I lived in West New York in New Jersey, like overlooking the- Which town? Um, Which town? In, it's called West New York. New Jersey. Oh, West New Okay. Yeah. My husband's from Arlington, New Jersey. So. Oh, okay. So yeah, trip. like just in a little bit, not far. Um, and, and I was, I, I laugh and joke with him because he, my husband is born and raised Northern California. And um, now we live in Florida and like runs a paddle boarding business and is like, you know, has long blonde hair, like down to like his chest and would prefer to like never step foot in New York City again, probably in his yeah. time. But I joke with him, I say, I can't, I I don't like take my brain back to the time when I was like single with my dog living, oh, yeah. you know, like, yeah, just like working in New York City. Like I was in design then and like, you know, just running around the city, not a care in the world. And I tell him, I say, I don't, I just don't let my brain go there very often because I feel like I'm going to pack my bags and go back. And he <laughs> like, just like laughs at me. He's like, you're crazy. And I, you know, I tell him, I say, I think the only reason I don't feel that way is because I lived the life for 20 years. Like yeah. I was there at 27. I got married older. I was like the runaway bride. I kept breaking every, up with everyone. And so I, you know, and I was the Iron Chef Judd. I was invited everywhere. I've been to every possible tasting restaurant, best stuff. I lived it so hard, yeah. no regrets. And then I was ready when I had kids. I was super ready. I wanted to have them sooner. I was so lucky. I was really ready to give it to them because mm. it sucks energy. Like mm. when you're in, in the, in the front of the house and fine dining, it's like you're in the service industry and everyone's telling you you're, you're, you're depleted. So I had to give that, I was ready to give it to my family and, and to start a life here. But you know, that being said, I was at the New York city food and wine festival a week ago by myself and my friend, I'll give him a shout out. Michael Akenbaum, who owns the Gansevoort, just reopened and it was the West Village and it was a beautiful autumn day. And that's my favorite time in New York. And I just had, it just, I had a blast. It reminded me. So oh, I, I definitely need my injection. But the good thing is Florida is two hours away. So I'm yeah. in New York, Florida. It was a beautiful uh, New York moment. And I had this incredible, like if I'm not eating Italian, I love Japanese. Mm. Uh, Kaiseki right on the rooftop. Uh, it's amazing. He's going to be, I, I know talent. He's going to be amazing. So I had a beautiful Kaseki dinner. I didn't have toddlers all over me. So it was, right. yeah, I need my fix. You know, what's so interesting. Like when you talk about you having your restaurant and um, 
people coming in and you really like when I think of you from a branding perspective I think of like you're an experienced creator and no matter where you would inject yourself it would be um creating experiences for so nice of you to say well and I you know I think there's so much to say about um a lot of what we talked about has very much been like home and like culture is not a place it's a feeling. no and you. you you felt like you I get that I have the chills right now actually like when you lived in New York and you even talk about it it's like you can feel what it felt like to be oh, yeah. single running around the city to tastings and this and that and it's like it's something you almost like can't even really explain and then yeah like for you to be able to create experiences for people they felt that when they came to your restaurant hence why they kept coming back right is like yeah. that is a what it what makes an incredible binge worthy brand is that is an experience um and then for you to like go back full circle to new york city even after everything it's been through and going through right now to like have an experience again yeah it was like, great yeah to like embody what that feels like to just be there and be like in it it's like, I don't know how else to explain it other than like. You have to be in New York to, to understand there. it. Yeah, you yeah. have to like be, have done it. Yeah, and my brother, my brother just reopened, you know, now you have that outdoor area mm. that he built. Yeah. So I ran up to see him because I was like, oh my God, my brother. Because he has ch- another plug, Cellini on 54th between Park and Madison. And that's the restaurant where he opened, where it all began for me, where I realized I was living above. And, you know, it was the first night he was busy because Midtown has taken the hardest toll. So the resident, the upper and lower east side are doing better, but Midtown is still like, people are starting to come back. So it was like the first night he was busy and just, it was just like one of those magical nights. Yeah. Jumping in the cab, going uptown. I love it. Okay. So if you could go back and speak to your younger self, when you were starting these businesses and sort of bouncing around, what is like the one uh, piece of advice that you would offer when it comes to like career development and like the journey that you found yourself on? Hmm. Um, wow, that's, that's, I mean, I don't have that many regrets because I kind of did things in an unorthodox way a- after my third restaurant and I got a Mich- the only Michelin Greek restaurant in New York City, Anthos. I decided at that point to go to culinary school full time, which was insane uh, because I wanted to not be beholding to chefs um, in restaurants. I-, I do think that I would have I would have kind of not expanded so much so quickly and um, enjoyed it a little more. And I, you know, the business sense, that's something you learn over time. How can, how can I, I wish I, I wish I surrounded myself a little bit more with people that I would listen to about the things that I didn't like to do. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't like accounting. I don't like business stuff. I mean, it turned out fine, but still, yeah, I, I think that you have to be a little bit more balanced and in the moment. And one of the biggest lessons I learned was to accept, even if you do everything right, that sometimes a location or a space is not going to work out and to let it go and never fall in love with the brick and mortar. Cause like you said, it's an experience that you create somewhere and it's not like I, sometimes I would hold on to something just cause I'm stubborn. I'm like, no, it has to be successful. I did everything right. And why don't people, why aren't they coming? Is it the location? Is it this? So I spent too much time trying to fix something that was broken and that wasn't ever going to be fixed. That was something that I learned. And after that, I never went back. And I probably what helped me during COVID because my husband's a surgeon. When they said there was going to be a two week lockdown, he was like, I know the way these things last. We're talking about a year. He said it back then. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make strategic decisions right now and shift my whole work life. And I did it much sooner than most people did. And I think one of the things that I have is I'm very resilient and I adapt to the situation. So all of a sudden I've been asked as my kids are at home to Zoom live every day on all these national shows. And I started to realize what 
a common woman and mom now was going through. And I started to think about that. And that's how I got into, um, I was always a fan of Phillips, but I started using the air fryer and I'm like, and then I started getting all these questions. And I'm like, this is a tool that can help people. And from there, a whole brand ambassadorship came from that too. So I, being adaptable and letting go of things that aren't working. That yeah. includes men, that includes <laughs> relationships, that includes partnerships, being transparent. And, and like, sometimes things don't work out. It's like, okay, good times, let it go. Don't like, yeah, that's, that goes for everything in life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it just doesn't work. Isn't, and, sometimes, uh, and sometimes things are magical. Yeah. I mean, David Burke and Donatella became one of the biggest PR stories because we opened up in December, which we were supposed to open up two months earlier, which was like two days before Christmas, the worst time to open. It was freezing. And they just started the ban on smoking in restaurants. Now it's like inconceivable that you would. And David's like, why don't we put a limousine outside so it looks busy? And we'll, so people who smoke can go in the limousine. And it became the smoking limo. And that became like, it was so stupid. And it became like a huge so thing, crazy. you know? And my PR company's doing all this stuff, and but that becomes it. Like yeah. kind of go with, sometimes go in the moment and see what's happening too. So I think sometimes we're so intent on like mm-hmm. forcing something instead of stepping back and seeing what's actually happening too and realizing what your strengths are. And yeah, I was really hard on myself too. Yeah. Very tough on myself. I'd be nicer to my younger self. I think a lot of us would say that. <laughs> I agree with that. I think, um, I always think about entrepreneurship and growing any brand and business as like the ultimate exercise in unattachment. Like, how can I be as unattached to the outcome of what this, like what happens here and just like be in the, be in the process. And that may mean like surrendering along the way. I, I think you would agree. I find that to be so hard because I like personally, like I love success and I am a money driven person as much as I am an experience driven person and want, you know, sure. feel something like I, I like that. That's what I do. You, you want to make sure that the result money, right there, you know, the question is like, everyone says money is not my God, but money makes, um, is important for a successful business. And I like money so that it buys me the time and the experiences with the people that I love and that I have the ability to help them. So, yeah, I think that, and there was something else as I was thinking um, that came to me that was a good lesson to my younger self. I think back then, you know, when I first, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding like conceited, but when, because now I'm like 50, so don't look at me now. I just turned 50, so I'm still traumatized by it. But um, when I first opened up, everyone said she was, you know, just pretty and based it on that. Mm-hmm. And then I felt like I needed, and I was always back then, like I said, this was before people were a little politically correct. You know, I'd always get comments or she's successful because of she's pretty or she's lucky or she's this. And, she, and I felt like I had to prove myself all the yeah. time. And I only had, I wish sometimes I was driven by like, I'm going to show them as opposed to what really I needed. I didn't need to show anything to anybody, right? actually, except for myself. And so, and I definitely, and I think that comes with age for all people, specifically women, we get more comfortable in our own skin. And I really do things that I want to do, uh, not because I need to prove something to anyone. Mm So I think that that's something that, yeah, I would tell myself, like, you're just doing that because your ego is hurt right now. And so you're going after this right now and you want to prove, 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 prove. Like I wanted to prove that I was smart and I wanted to prove that I was successful because, and I did force people to take me seriously because I didn't go away. And I, and you know, like when I had the second success and then I had a Michelin star restaurant, like, oh, they couldn't just say she's pretty and she's lucky anymore. It was like, oh, okay. Right. Let's take her seriously. Yeah. And then I became known as, you know, too tough. So people <laughs> have perceptions of you. It's like hard to keep, yeah. Too. Yeah, it's hard to make, 
you know, I always, it's always like someone's not going to like something that not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to like you. And the really, the only, the only person that matters is, is yourself that you like you. Um, I think everything gets a lot easier once you surrender to that. Um, but I, you know, I think there's no doubt that like, yeah, it's easier said than done. And when you're young and you're creating new things and starting new endeavors and really kind of putting yourself out there, you're like, you want to make sure that you are putting like your best foot forward and you are Mm -hmm. feeling good. And, um, yeah, like failing in some capacity, whatever that, whatever that means, um, is always like a lesson. There's always something to learn within that. Just being like more like comfortable with the failures and seeing it actually as a learning experience. Like, you know, mm-hmm. everything, like I said, back then I, I had a restaurant, I held on to it that, and I, there was one restaurant that I had and it, it hurt me because I put, kept putting good money into bad. And I was so upset at myself for years. I kept like, why did I do that? Why did I do that? Why did I do that? But it prepared me for, you know, a pandemic years later that I knew how to act. So every lesson is life. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the enjoy the moment too, because you never you never know when the moment's gonna become a great memory too. So yeah. Okay, two more questions for you. Yeah. What is the um, accomplishment in your life that you're most proud of to date? I mean, I guess the answer has to be the kids, because but. <laughs> Um, every time I ask this question, by the way, everyone says that let's just just put kids aside because that's an obvious answer. Then let's get to another answer. Oh, they're pretty freaking cute. Um, (laughs) I think that I'm most proud of the fact that I've always had held on to my integrity and that I've always, um, I'm proud of the fact that I've always then I've always tried to help people along the way, be kind, and I'm very resilient and adaptable, and I'm proud of who I keep continuing to be, that I don't like, I'm not content with the norm. I always am pushing myself further and further, even now. I think that's probably, yeah, I I guess. And my kids. And and my kids. (laughs) I made humans. Um, okay. I made so, humans. Yeah. At a, and at an age that someone should not make humans, especially twins. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Um, last question. When you feel overwhelmed or like there's so much going on between running a business, having a family, twins, the older one, all the things. Can you, right can you the question of can you have it all, right? Yeah, like can you have it all? And what do you do? And and what I feel like is mo- more like actionable is what do you do to reground? Like what do you do to come back down and really focus on what matters most? I get asked that a lot because I I you know I I have been a very successful person. I've had the career. I have the kids. I have the family. I was lucky that. I, because the one good thing is I know a lot of women, when they have children younger, they have this regret that they took a step back in their career. I don't have the regret because I like lived the life. I did everything. And when I had the kids, I was kind of ready to just step back a little bit. Um, I think that you have to, I've, I've become better at boundaries and saying really looking and saying, okay, I'm, I'm stressed out. What is caught? Do I really need to be doing all this stuff? What can I eliminate? And how can I take time for myself? Because women are terrible at that. Mm-hmm. So I, in the past couple of years, I've really have made exercise a priority. It's always been a big thing for my husband. He said during the pandemic, everyone's going to get fat <laughs> and we need to have structure. He said, you know, he's, he's a heart surgeon. So he sees yeah. an obesity is was the biggest obesity is obesity was the biggest indicator of people that became fatal with COVID. Um, so I embraced exercise and, and I really do make an appointment with myself to take care of myself. And I don't feel guilty about it. I just feel guilty about it. So, and I just started restorative yoga. 
Yeah. So, but I put it like in my calendar, otherwise it's not going to get done. Yeah. Because uh, you don't much like you, you like, you won't miss the doctor's appointment or you won't miss your kid's thing. You make yourself a priority and you don't feel guilty about it because it's the kids are always going to want you 24 hours mm -hmm. and work is always going to, it's always there. It's a, they call the law as a jealous mistress. It always wants you. So I think just every once in a while, just, and just stopping and, and allowing yourself to have a day off, especially if you're an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. you kind of never are off. So sometimes my energy is just like low and I'm like, you know what, let me just like not do anything today. Yeah. And give yourself permission for that to happen because sometimes you just need to recharge, especially people like, you know, it's creative what we're doing too. I'm creating recipes. I'm doing things. You can't always just put it on. Yeah. If you're in a state of stress, I mean, if I'm angry, the food doesn't come out good. <laughs> so, it, you know, if you're, you're and, and good cooking comes when you're calm too. So it's eliminating, going back, eliminating people in your life. Uh, you know, as you get older, you look at the relationships that you have. And I think female friendships, as I got older, are very important. But you give, I, I'm a giver. So I tend to overgive. And I now I choose, I'm very uh, discerning about the people in my life, about how I spend my time, because time is our most precious commodity. Mm -hmm. So I think that, but I do yoga and I'm now... I actually enjoy exercise. I can't believe I said that. It took me 48 years to get there, 50 years to get there. I was not an exercise person, but I I feel much better about myself. Exercise is good. Fine, but you know, find something that you love to do. Don't do something you don't love. Yeah. Switch it up. Switch it up. I'm doing the yoga now and I like it. Do you like it? I like it. I used to not. I tried it through the years. I felt like I should like it, but then I got kicked out of class in New York because I started laughing because they started chanting and I'm like I started laughing and I got kicked out and I'm like I was scarred oh, but I have a bad back and I have a friend who's a yoga instructor and she's like let's try this I'm like ooh, this is nice yeah restorative is nice I taught yoga for a handful of years um it was actually really yeah so I that was so I was working in New York City uh, we can wrap up after this, but I was working in New York City. I was, um, you know, waking up when it was dark and I'm going to work all day designing. I was in um, licensing at the time. And then I would leave there and I would go to yoga. And, you know, then by the time I got home, it was dark again. And, and uh, I came to visit my mom in Florida and I found a yoga studio and um, I was just like, you know what? I think I'm going to like try come living down here for a bit. And my um, younger brother and sister were here. So I was really just like kind of missing the family. What part of Florida are you? I'm in Palm Beach County in Jupiter. Oh, okay. yeah. You're close by. <laughs> in Miami. I'm in oh, Miami. Nice. Yeah. So I, you know, I, um, ended up going back, put in my resignation, like moved down here, started teaching yoga. And while I was teaching yoga, I started sewing um, leggings for myself. Cause I was like, you sound like me, you're all over the place. I love yeah. it. Like it was like, I literally like went on YouTube, like learned how to sew leggings, like went to the 24 hour Walmart at like 4am, like bought a sewing machine, found some fabric, cut up leggings and like started sewing these leggings. And I want to interview you now. I'm curious. Well, I wanna, like, listen, I will about doing a podcast. Like, and I want to like, I want to hear about your story. I want to eat dinner. Yeah. So you just tell me when, um, yes. Yeah, so anyway, like started sewing leggings and then like it turned into this whole, I had a clothing line for seven years and that's amazing. Yeah. Just like, whatever. Long story short, I sold the business, um, in 2017 and kind of got back to the roots of branding and personal branding and, um, just working with thought leaders on growing their, um, brand. But I, I just, I so just resonate with the, like, like the naive young and creating experiences for people. And, um, I remember like calling manufacturers that I shouldn't have called and just trying to get myself into these doors and these retailers and hotels and resorts with the clothing line. And yeah, it's just, you know, I think there's I, you, you were, you were like fearless and I actually kept that totally. with me my whole time. And I mean, I had a whole line with front gate and I, you know, I was on HSN for my meatballs because I wanted meatball madness. And every time it started with someone saying no, 
Mm. Always. Like it was always, and that's why when I speak to younger people, like, well, they said no. And I'm like, and you took that? Like, you don't take that. And then I'm like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to go to the CEO. Yeah. And I just did. And I would, I had, and even they're like, well, you're okay. You're you, you're a celebrity. I'm like, I did that when I wasn't, when no one knew who I was. I always did that. I always had this inner part about me, this inner strength and that I was somebody, even though I was, you know, very shy, like I said, (laughs) very shy. People don't think that, but I was, I was very shy, but I never let that stop me. And I always tell people that I know that are younger, I'm like, why, why are you so like, you're so afraid to try anything. You're young. You don't, you know, you have no kids. You have nothing like you have to worry about. And now's the time. Go for it now. Yeah. Go for it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your insights. Let me know when you're going to invite me to dinner. You can come to our Sunday anytime. Um, we would love to have you. So I will, send, I will send over an invite. You can bring the kiddos. They would all have a blast together. (laughs) We will put, um, in the show notes where everyone can find you, um, and connect with you. And thank you again so much for being here. Yes. And you should go to my next live interactive class. I would love to. We'll link it up. We'll link it there. So everyone can have an air fryer. Do I need to send you one? I don't have an air fryer. Oh my God. It's a game changer. I might uh, I'm going to send you one and I'm in November 16th. I'm doing a whole for Thanksgiving because you know your oven's full. Air fryer sides and air fryer desserts. And I'm not a I'm not a gadget girl, but the air fryer changed me because it's like a mini convection oven where there's less cleanup and you cook. 40%, 30% faster time, and the results are often better. So I'm gonna send you one. I love this, and I would love to get recipes, and I actually host Thanksgiving at my house. It's our Good. our family tradition, is our house is Thanksgiving, Christmas is at my mom's. Yes. Um, we do the full We'll send you the invite. You, I'll send you the air fryer, and you register, and then you get, like, you become part of the Phillips family, and you get me, the telechef. So yeah, I'm gonna teach you. Some air fryer tips. Yes. Love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Can't wait. Bye. Bye.